In 2003, Holmes had dropped out of college and used her quote unquote education trust, which I I, I think she was just rich. <laughs> and you know, whatever her parents put aside for her college tuition, I guess that she called it a trust. It might've been large enough to be a trust. She My was, education trust was a thousand bucks my dad gave me for books. He's like, this is all you're getting, <laughs> like, good luck. <laughs> My education trust was a pat on the back, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And every co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey, Jeff, about uh, this week's... Uh... Hey, Jeff. Oh, my God. Fuck me. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey, Jeff. So about this month's payment, I forgot my wallet. Can I just... Can you just get me this time? I'll promise I'll hit you back. Yeah, man. No worries. Uh, we'll just do like four installments. I don't know, like a 2.5% interest compounded by day. I'm in. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's sign this contract and move on. Today's show, we're talking about Afterpay, a buy now, pay later service. And I absolutely love this feature. I think I'm definitely the target customer. Um, maybe I'm irresponsible with money, but Jeff, you can judge me for that later. <laughs> but uh, for those of you who are listening who don't know who af what Afterpay is, Afterpay is a service that lets customers buy now and pay later. And that's actually an acronym. And I'm going to try my best to do this during the episode of BNPL. Um, we'll see how that, <laughs> that acronym holds up um, for the next couple minutes. But Afterpay, the company, it partners with different retail partners. So companies and retailers like Alta, American Eagle, J. Crew, among others. Um, and the customer experience is you're shopping on any of these retailer.com sites. Let's just use Alta for an example. So Alta.com. And when you're checking out, you actually get an option to pay in four to six weeks by using Afterpay. Um, it's typically interest-free. So if it was a $100 purchase, it's going to say, hey, pay $25 today, and then in two, every two weeks, we'll charge you another $25. Um, Afterpay does not charge any interest, um, or typically does not charge any interest or fees on those payments, but it does charge late fees. Hmm. So if you are a customer and you make a late payment, Afterpay actually uh, locks your account for making new um, purchases until you make that um, make that payment. So really interesting. Um have you used any BNPLs, buy now, pay later services before, Jeff? I have it. I'm like super paranoid about paying on time. Um, so I just like, <laughs> for a long time, I wasn't even like buying stuff on credit. And then now I'm like, yeah, I use credit for everything. But yeah, same same deal. Like I try to like be really on top of my credit card payments and or all, my, all my payments. I try not to like defer delay too much of this stuff. I know, you know, in finance, people talk about leverage. But in this case, like the, the stuff that I'm buying or I would typically buy with Afterpay isn't large enough that I would like for me personally need to make these like, you know, different payments or find, find any use in making those payments. But I'm curious, like what, it sounds like you use Afterpay. Um, what makes it, I guess, like attractive um, for you? So I think it's been super helpful for me. And the reason why I've been so attracted to Afterpay or any like of these buy now, pay later services um, is because I just got married, like, you know, about a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And the credit card bills are definitely piling up <laughs> after that major <laughs> expense. So what I like about the buy now, pay later, it just it lets me smooth out my my payments. Mm. Um, you know, like my wife and I are now just, you know, we're going to pay off all the bills, but it's nice to just have that smoothing where if we do want to make a purchase, it's not going to be like, oh, like it's going to be on this paycheck or, or that paycheck. It's kind of like yeah. over like four to six weeks. And I can see the slippery slope like as a consumer where it's like you just... 
don't actually see how much all of it's adding up. You're like, oh, you know, I, I bought this $100 thing, but it was really only $25 this paycheck. So it kind of expands your mental like horizon of like, yeah. how much you can actually afford, which is definitely something dangerous and why I'm thankful that I use other tools like Mint uh, to just put all my finances into into one place mm-hmm. and, and keep, a track, keep track of that. But yeah, for, for, for me, the big attraction was just especially if it's something like um like i get paid once a month at my job so like you know being able to split something up in you know two weeks or four weeks to pay this month or next month is super attractive to me yeah that Um, is interesting i i want to just like chime in here i get paid bi-weekly um but my wife gets paid monthly and i know that it previously it's kind of been a hassle to like plan out your whole month because you you know, it's like it's not as a regular cadence. You don't know what's going to happen in the month if there's any emergency. So maybe you spend a little bit of that, of that money up front and then maybe towards the back half or something where there's like a spike in maybe a, you blow out a tire or something. You have to all of a sudden pay for like an unexpected expense. Um, so, yeah, that that is really interesting. I, I do see where something like Afterpay could help kind of like what you're saying, like smooth out or make like smaller payments, but on a longer regular basis versus like one large payment and one like spike in time. Totally. And and I'll level with you. Like, I think like we, I think overspent our wedding budget by like 20% as anyone does mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with a wedding. So <laughs> having just like that extra four to six weeks of wiggle room for the different things, like it was even like little silly things. Um, like uh, I got some of the guys um, socks and mm-hmm. I used Afterpay to pay. And I also got like our officiant um, a tie and like a, a tie clip and the whole jazz mm-hmm. or like the, the whole like, you know, look. Um, and I did that on Afterpay. And it's probably just like <laughs> because I knew this episode was coming and I wanted to get some reps in um, <laughs> for it. But I, I actually really like it. And um, it, obviously retailers do too. So I can talk a little bit about the business model for Afterpay because I was looking at this and I'm thinking like, how does Afterpay ma- actually make money? And um, so this is all a best guess. Afterpay is a private company. Um, and so I see two primary revenue streams. The first one is actually charging merchants for its services so if i'm retailer like to continue the example alta i'm actually going to pay after pay for their services just for their widget to show up um, and the second piece is late payments for customers um and it was crazy to me thinking about that afterwards of like why would a retailer pay for like another service you know they're already paying like x mm-hmm. percent for like your credit card be it discover or american express or visa or mastercard and now like they have this other option of, of after pay but um it makes sense to me from increased sales lift. And I went into this report that Accenture, uh, the consulting firm, did on the economic impact of buy now, pay later in the U.S. And some of the, like, just the, you know, off the top, like, the top level metrics uh, were really impressive. Like, the cart sizes for retailers that use a buy now, pay, lo- pay later service um, are actually 17% bigger. So, oh, wow. you know, if you had like a previously $100 all to purchase, now those purchases are $117. Um, so that's a cr- crazy amount of top line growth. And, um, you know, and it goes back to like what I was saying earlier for that mental model for like a customer perspective. It's like, oh, it's like I only need to pay $25 for this purchase today. And it's, it's you know, so I can I can add more to the cart. Um, another interesting uh uh, another interesting piece of information Accenture had was that the average afterpay merchant obtains about 13% more new customers. So it's also helping for mm-hmm. new customer acquisition. Um, and the services are growing wildly. Like it's like, it was crazy to see anything with like triple digit growth, but buy now pay later had 230% uh, increased usage 
since the start of 2020, um, which is just wild to see something grow like that much in a year and a half. But all of that added up to about 4.5 billion with a B in net benefits for retailers in 2021 uh, for all those merchants merchants that were using Afterpay. So yeah, I, I imagine that like I'm I would love to see like how much they're charging uh, merchants. I didn't have any like I couldn't find any information on that, but just like seeing those like increased like sales lift numbers of like knowing hey like customers are going to spend a lot more by having this service and like we're willing to pay probably a significant amount. Um, something like future looking, if I'm like after pay, I'm thinking about like, Hey, am I going to be able to just become like survive if I just become a commodity, if there's all these competitors out there. But, um, yeah, that was mind blowing to me just to to see some of that sales lift data from Accenture. Yeah. That's super interesting. I wonder if it's because when you're a customer and you see like a $400 bill, you might think it's like really expensive, but if you split it up over a month or maybe like, you know, two months, you're like, okay, well, this costs me $10, $15 a day. Maybe it's more palatable for them. I think people tend to recognize the impact of this thing when it's periodized, right? Like, well, what is it like on a, on a month basis or a week basis? I and mean, it's hard for them to kind of imagine, like I mentioned earlier, these like spikes in, in payment. So maybe it's people that for $400, they might be like, oh man, this is scary. But for the same amount of money, but split up over a long period of time, they're like, oh, that's doable. And then now totally. they're like, mental block is gone and they'll like actually click and pay. And so bringing in these new customers is obviously a pretty big deal. Totally. And I'm definitely like guilty of that, <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> hey, it's like, you know, 25 bucks today as opposed to a hundred dollars. So. It's like the opposite of subscription. It's like making something that isn't a subscription a subscription, right? When you think of, I don't know, like Netflix and you pay like 10 bucks a month, it's 120 bucks a year or whatever. You don't think about 120 bucks a year, but you think about the $10 a month and you're like, $10 a month is doable. It's not that expensive. Same thing. Like if you were to buy a $400 thing and split it up over some time, you're like, oh, this is doable because it's only you know this much money, even though I have to do it periodically. But you can like kind of plan for it. Even if you're setting aside that money, you can mentally set it aside and be like, oh, I, I know next week I have to pay another installment of this thing. And it's only this much. Like it's less than one big dip of it. But um, I love that. It's a little bit you're so right. It's palatable. like, I feel like there's like some sort of like business school would come up with a word of like subscriptionization of America, you know, so, yeah. something like that. But dude, you're, you're so spot on with that. I mean, well, like recurring revenue is a big deal, right? Like companies really care, especially subscription based companies, like really care about ARR and recurring revenue. They like predictability, um, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to like earnings reports and things like that. They don't like how, like, it's really difficult when you're a company that sells product uh, and you have like peak times and, and, and low times they like things to be kind of normalized throughout the year. So this might also help with that. Like bringing in more customers might help the company know, hey, in general, we'll get like this much money uh, coming in over time. We might get some of these people like default in their payments, but it's such a small marginal amount and the net benefit is greater that we'll take on this like installment payment thing uh, because it helps us kind of, you know, even on the business side, like smooth out their income and revenue, just like it smooths it out for uh, the payee, like the buyer side. Totally. I mean, it, it's interesting that you mentioned like just like the mental model of like splitting things up and like thinking of how much things are going to cost. And back when I was first getting into like dressing, not in jeans and a t-shirt every day. And like, <laughs> this is like back in like high school, my first job, I would actually like take a payment if I went to like, like American Eagle or like Express or like whatever, like wherever I went in the mall, which is a weird sentence to say now. And I would be <laughs> like, oh, like I'm going to wear this like 10 times and it's going to be like, you know, two dollars per per know, wear, for, yeah, per wear for like this whole the whole yeah. thing. So like that was like my mental model. So it, I guess it makes sense to 
you know, bring that to like a more formalized and actually do that to customers. Yeah, I recently bought a uh, Herman Miller office chair, and uh, there, you know, if you ever, it looks really nice, Jeff. If you've ever like you know looked into Herman Miller's for the listeners at home, like they're they're expensive chairs, um, but they last like ten or fifteen years, and they're really ergonomic. In my mind, I had been spending money buying these like one hundred one hundred fifty dollar gaming <laughs> chairs off the internet that were just like hurting my back, and then like the pleather was ripping, and like it was just kind of wobbly. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy a chair that I know it's going to last me a while. And even if it costs me several hundred dollars more, I know it's going to last much, much longer and like buy once, cry once, right? Like it's going to, it's going to yep. be like worth it in the long term. And Herman Miller's very rarely even need like warranty service, but they, they're backed by a warranty. I bought this aftermarket, so it doesn't have warranty, but I wasn't that concerned. It was, it was in good shape and I know it's going to last me a pretty long time. But yeah, like I'm really happy with the purchase, even like a couple weeks in. But just knowing that like, hey, this is going to last me at least this many years. And if I were to divide that up over months or days, it's really palatable. And also like paying a little bit more for quality isn't that big of a deal, especially when it's like if, if I were to keep sitting in a, in a non-ergonomic chair and then have back pain and back problems, maybe that means like a day or two off of work. Maybe that means like, Totally. medical payments or whatever i know it's like kind of a kind of a tangent but like you were saying earlier thinking about how this impacts you on a day-to-day -day basis and periodizing it and then like making it feel like a unit of time or unit of whatever it kind of helps you assess or internalize that a little bit easier you know i, I feel the same way like about like buying for quality things especially in you know back when like i was first starting out um right after college <clears throat> i got really into shoes after being in London for mm -hmm. like, for like a summer because everyone has like eight hundred dollars shoes. <laughs> um, uh, but anyways, like I ended up like saving up to buy a pair of Red Wing boots because yeah. um, you know like there's a subreddit that I love where it says R slash Buy It for Life and they highly recommended a pair of Red Wings Red, Red Wing boots because you know you buy once cry once and now looking back I probably would like if there was a service like Afterpay. I would definitely would have accelerated my purchase, like instead of waiting until like Christmas to like treat myself after saving for six months, I probably would have just, you know, bought it earlier because I knew that I could pallet it over the month and it kind of did the savings for me, but accelerated my purchase. So yeah, that that's really interesting um, anecdote there. Yeah. Let's talk about how, you know, the idea behind Afterpay came to be. So in 2014, Nick Molnar and Anthony Eisen, who were neighbors at the time, founded the company. I think they founded it in Australia because in 2016, they listed it on the Australian Securities Exchange for 25 million Australian dollars. I look today and the exchange rates about one Australian dollar to 75 cents of US dollars. So do the mental math, I guess, roughly about three quarters of the worth. Investors funded Afterpay into the US retail market. So they brought them into the US. And by 2018, they had launched into a couple of those like boutique retail partners like Anthropology, Free People and Urban Outfitters. Um, in 2018, they also acquired a UK-based competitor, ClearPay. They acquired 90% of that company. And then in 2019, they raised an additional uh, amount of money to the tune of 315 million oh, Australian wow. dollars. Yeah, which is way, way higher than the original IPO price, which is really small. Like 25 million for an IPO is like pretty small. So I don't know. If, I don't know what the Australian market's like, but 315 in this like kind of I'll call it like a round of funding. Uh, mainly aimed towards funding international growth. And what you're going to find here is that Afterpay has done a really good job of internationalization. Like they didn't start as a U.S. company, but mm -hmm. they're now kind of hitting their stride in the U.S. And they're based on a lot of companies now. So if you think about kind of a globalization of of this like buy now, pay later trend, like they're doing a pretty good job pouncing on that. 
So also in 2019, they had announced that 2 million active users were on Afterpay and about 6.5 million merchants just in the U.S., and at the time, they're announcing another partnership with Visa. So again, like they've done a pretty good job of working with these external companies to get them to partner and use their products and kind of grow their platform. It feels like an easy sales pitch if you're saying like, hey, <laughs> you know, your top line revenue with us is potentially 17% higher. Yeah, exactly. In 2020, that number of 2 million active users had grown to 5 million. So more than more than doubled within a year, mostly because of the pandemic. So during COVID, people weren't going in to shop in person. There was a lot of hesitancy in shopping in physical stores. So that boosted e-commerce sales, and which is a natural place for Afterpay to kind of integrate within, uh, within these like checkout flows. So Afterpay boomed along with the pandemic because people were buying more via e-commerce. It's late 2021 now. So uh, recently, Square had announced that they're going to acquire Afterpay for about $39 billion in Australian dollars. Um, that's supposedly going to finalize in 2022. So I don't know how official this, this headline is, but yeah, it's a, a pretty large sum of money considering five short years ago, they IPO'd in, their, in the Australian security exchange for $25 million. Yeah, that, that's, that's a crazy story. And I guess I, I take back my earlier statement of they're not a public company. I just did not look hard enough in the US. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's a wild ride to see like after five years and having not just a unicorn value, but like, you know, if it's 75%, like a $30 billion US acquisition is just like unreal. Um, but yeah. To- totally makes sense. Um, and so we can talk about who Afterpay is for and like what's driving that growth. So, um, you know, just looking at the US co- like consumer, um, actually, let's take a global look. So that same essential report that I quoted earlier um, estimated that um, 45 million Americans were using some form of buy now, pay later in 2021. Now, granted, it doesn't really say if that's like buy now, pay later also means like a car payment, <laughs> you know, because I mm-hmm. feel like that's like the oldest version of buy now, pay later. It's like, yeah, who has $30,000 sitting around <laughs> to just buy a car? You're going to buy now and pay like later for five years or six years, right. whatever your payment is. Um, but what was interesting is that Afterpay states that Fourteen and a half million people have used their their platform, and that's that's globally. I don't know what their U.S. market share is, but you know, if we even if we take a haircut of like it's half, you know, like it's still a strong percentage of all of the buy now pay later transactions are being held through Afterpay. Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought was really interesting, specifically, what I thought was really interesting specifically about like go to market strategy is that um, the buy now pay later services for Afterpay are actually highly concentrated in fashion and beauty. So Afterpay hmm. stated that 6.5% of all of US fashion e-commerce spending was done through Afterpay. Um, and that's an extremely significant amount of like money that's just being funneled through Afterpay for fashion. And I was curious if that had anything to do with, you know, the Kardashians, I think back in like 2019, actually endorsed Afterpay early on. So it huh. was almost like one of their initial like brand people that started speaking about Afterpay and like all the benefits. And it feels like that might be driving, like, I don't have any other data aside from the 6.5% of fashion commerce, but I wonder if that's just like some lingering um, for what their initial go-to-market strategy was by having a Kardashian endorse Afterpay and also wild that that could have that kind of effect. Yeah, that is really interesting. I don't know. I guess I don't know why if the Kardashians endorsing it had the main effect on that particular industry versus some of the other ones. I think when I think about buy now, pay later, I think about layaway. And I think a lot of times when you think about layaway, it had to do with like clothes and mm-hmm. maybe less so about electronics, but it wasn't typically for things like food or uh, like experiences. 
maybe Afterpay does support like booking trips and stuff like that or buying tickets. But I would usually think of it as these like long term, like buy once, cry once, buy for life type items like furniture or clothes or whatever. And it kind of makes sense to it's almost like you're renting it um, in a way, mm-hmm. like rent to buy or rent to own kind of kind of thing. So I guess it makes maybe it makes sense mentally for people. So that's where they tend to use stuff like this is around fashion. Like if you're going to buy a nice piece, like you said, those shoes, uh, those Red Wing boots, maybe it makes sense to like periodize that and say, okay, I'm going to spend, I don't know, $10 a week for however many weeks. And then eventually I'll own it by the end of eight weeks or whatever. So yeah, that that is like something that's kind of interesting to, to think about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And it was just like an interesting like thought of, as I was like pulling together this data and like, you know, the quick mental math. It, it, it's like that meme with uh, it's always sunny in uh, Philadelphia or like or <laughs> Charlie sniffing paint and like drawing like all these like, you know, pins on the wall to pin things. That's kind of how <laughs> I felt with like, you know, maybe the Kardashians are why uh, <laughs> Afterpay has had so much success there. Um but yeah, anyways, um, some of the benefits, like as Jeff and I talked about for Afterpay, like, like and who this is for, um, obviously they have like a very large uh, target segment in the US of folks that just want to spread payments out. But, you know, reasons why is it's just it lets people schedule things out and pay for things in smaller chunks. Um, and I feel like that's just like the American dream, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> you just buy, literally buy now and, and, and pay later with the, the American credit system. So it just feels like another extension and you know, mechanism. And I'm curious if it ever becomes, and this will lead into like the next part of the segment of just like, if it will become a commodity and if just everyone will do it. And then there's mm-hmm. kind of limited value there because every, like you, you've, you've captured all the gains there. So speaking of which, like about everybody doing it, let's talk about competitors. So I think the biggest competitor that I, w- I have to mention is a firm. A firm's obviously a pretty large, like buy now, pay later company. There's Klarna. I found a couple of the ones called Sezzle and Split It. And of course, there's like the generic credit card, large ecosystem and industry where you buy something now and then you pay interest on it over time and you make, you know, again, periodized payments on it. You have some amount that you owe every month. It's not like done by installments and they do charge interest. So it's slightly a different business model. Whereas Afterpay, it's like if you're late on your payment, it's about the timing versus like the amount. Uh, Interest matters more in credit cards. Like they don't care if you pay for it in 50 installments over 500 <laughs> years uh, and they'd actually prefer it because, you know, you you technically pay more interest over time. I think that's really interesting in that they, this is like a similar idea, but different business model and how they make money. For sure. And it, it's like, um, I know American Express over the past like year, year and a half, and maybe this is a response to Afterpay, has now a product feature called Planet, P L A N space it so Mm -hmm. you can basically any like large purchase you can just take and create a plan for it so you can pay Mm. in 12 months or 24 months and then it basically instead of um what it does is it removes that from your total account balance and then increases your monthly payment so you basically like the monthly amount that you owe Mm -hmm. is like basically your floor becomes higher yeah Um, so you're basically scheduling out your your payments like it's, it's the same like mechanism but different like end goal where like they're they're actually needing that real interest dollars to to pay for for it as opposed to just like the increased lift from from others. So yeah. I'm curious like uh you know how successful if if American Express sees that you know if they have this feature more of their customers will spend more money. So like maybe it's just just beneficial to uh, like American Express but really interesting. Let's um jump into what we think about Afterpay. I'm happy to start. So I've never actually used Afterpay myself. Again, I mentioned that like I'm pretty 
I don't know, I guess like methodical that like I have to pay on time. I don't like carrying a balance. I don't mind using my credit card, but I pay it off like immediately so that there's no interest held and and things like that. But I do understand that like taking what is a large purchase and splitting it up over time makes it more palatable. And I really applaud Afterpay specifically for how they've approached their business model, like approaching retailers, a partner, starting in, in Australia and kind of proving out the concept and moving to the US and now expanding into other global industries, working with a large a credit card company like Visa. I think all these things were like home run partnerships and, and strategy that they employed uh, to really make this buy now, pay later thing work really well for them. Like the proof is in the pudding. You mentioned earlier that like basket sizes are 17% higher and then uh, the average merchant obtains 13% more new customers. Like you can just show that data and it, the product kind of sells itself. So I think from a strategy perspective, they've done really great. Personally, um, I, I don't know if I would use Afterpay that much, but I do finance a little bit differently where I like have, I set aside like, here's a rainy day budget. Here mm-hmm. is a a budget for travel that I set aside at the beginning of the year. And then if I touch it, I touch it. If I don't, I don't. And that generally works pretty well. But that's, I mean, I'll still sometimes go over that budget. In my mind, I'm like, the general trend is, uh, and the habit is more important than the actual, like where I land if I'm over under budget at the end of the year, so long as it's not egregious. But not everyone has that kind of luxury to set aside the money ahead of time. So I will acknowledge that like this helps a lot of people be able to kind of like consciously plan for uh, upcoming spend. I think overall I'd give Afterpay like a 4.25. I think it's like, again, like really smart in how they approached the the scale and the growth of their company and their business strategy. And obviously like it's working. People like to use buy now, pay later. It's helping the merchants. It's kind of like a win-win-win for them, their retail partners and the people, the customers using Afterpay. Nice. Love it. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm going to rate it just a little bit higher since I have, I have used it and it's um, definitely helped me smooth out my post-wedding <laughs> credit card payments and statements. Um, you know, and maybe I also maybe like the Kardashian uh, conspiracy theory of why they're <laughs> like, like in the U.S. fashion industry. But no, I couldn't agree with you more of, um, you know, they're able to increase. It, it's such an attractive uh, mechanism for all these retailers to be able to increase sales. Like that's obviously what every retailer is trying to do, especially mm-hmm. with, you know, razor th- thin margins. <clears throat> What I like am curious to see is how things shake out long term. Like if it does become a commodity, because they're all like, because everyone's yeah. doing it, and then all of, like the gains from the retailer just normalize. Where it's like, oh, if you're not doing this, you're basically losing sales. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're pretty close to that <laughs> stage where it's going to just level off. And I'm curious what that steady state future looks like for Afterpay, um, which I guess is good for Afterpay because then every company will be using them, but. Then it has me all these questions in my head, like, well, you know, credit cards eventually do the same thing and cut out the middleman. Um, and then would companies, would retailers just build their own buy now, pay later services into um, in, into their actual retailer platforms? Because I'm sure that, the, you know, they could, a retailer that's big enough could say, hey, if we're going to get a 17% lift from this, let's just do it ourselves. Like, we don't need to have a, yeah. a third party do this. So right. um, I'm curious to see, like, the stickiness with, with Afterpay long term. But I guess, like... For the, for the company, for the, like these folks like that started in, you know, going from, you know, 2018 or, or five or six years ago, 2016 in uh, Australia um, to a $30 billion plus exit with Square is like is amazing. And they definitely hit the nail on the head with, with product market fit. So definitely um, an awesome product. So excited to talk about this one and glad we were able to, to chat about this one because I've been nerding out as I've mm-hmm. been paying it off in four to six week <laughs> installments. Um <laughs> 
Cool. Well, those are our thoughts on Afterpay, and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. Uh, definitely reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. We're both on... Feel free to share with us. Oh, my God. Well, those are our thoughts on Afterpay, and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. Feel free to share with us. You can reach us at Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.